Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. Question of the day. We got a two-parter. Jazz got a win on the road now. What are your worries? I got them. Dressed about. You do? You got worries? Oh, uh, yeah, regarding this game, for sure. Yeah. Carl says they live in the very worries that I had. Go ahead. Uh, Carl says they live and die by the three no matter where they are. He is stressed about the shooting. Uh, uh, That's on the list. I mean, but that's that's no different for any game. I mean, I've talked to so many basketball coaches over the years, and that that's keeps them up at night. They worry about suppose all of our guys are cold. You know, even even if you were doing to what we saw as traditional basketball over the years, where then you know the threes is a relatively new phenomenon, obviously, but still coaches worried about guys not making shots, open shots, whether in in the old days they were two pointers, right? That's why you wanted a good low post game to get as close to the basket as you possibly could. But you're going to have to hit perimeter shots. Now it's extended. Uh, beyond the three-point line. So I think that's a legitimate worry, but I don't think that's a new worry. Jay says no more overlooking Memphis. The Grizzlies are for real. I wouldn't think that overlooking them in game three. You're 1-1 going to their home court for the first time. I get that you may have a letdown at some point, and I think that the Jazz players, well, Donovan certainly, has talked about uh, the letdown they had. They were up 3-1. They were up by 17. They thought it was over against the Nuggets in the, in the bubble. And they, they let them back in the series, and they never could close them out. So I guess that, uh, you know, off that experience, you wouldn't think that would happen. But I would think even without that experience, that shouldn't be the thing to worry about in Game 3. I don't think that it was anything to worry about at any point. I believe that they felt Memphis was a legitimate team before the series even started because I certainly felt that. So you may have some lulls within a game, but overall, no, I think they have a deep respect for Memphis. Memphis is an emerging team. You know, they're not where they're going to be probably if things anticipate like we if they go like we anticipate. But right now they're a good team, and in a couple of years probably stand to be better. So I don't think it's that. I really don't see where they're thinking, oh, well, we're one, they're eight, so we got this. I just don't see that. Ben says, my worry is the Jazz won't win on the road. Way to keep it simple, Ben, and get right to the point. Who cares how they win? Well, nobody cares at this point. All you got to do is find a way to get the job done, whatever that entails. So, yeah, uh, shoot for one. If you get one, shoot for two. Uh, And probably you would – you have no choice but to accept whatever's coming your way. Uh, Being down 3-1 isn't the end of the world, but obviously the task gets a lot more difficult. Uh, You you have to find a way. You know, you play the psychological game. If you're down 3-1 – well, uh, you know, we, we win game five, and that puts enormous pressure on the Grizzlies because they don't want any part of game seven in Salt Lake City, blah, 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 blah. So we've all heard that storyline played a thousand times. Every time it surfaces, uh, we hear that. 
if the team's at 3-1, particularly if the, the team that's in the disadvantage has the home court in Game 7, we hear that stuff. Uh, but, you know, obviously they would prefer 3-1 their favor, and they could live with 2-2. I think, to me specifically, my biggest fear uh, for the Jazz perspective is that these guys looking at Memphis is there are three scores that we've seen emerge so far, Valanciunas, Morant, and Brooks. Combined, the three of them go for 80 or more points. Combined for 80. Yeah. So obviously when Morant gets to 47, 80 gets within reach. Um, yes. <laughs> they can all certainly go for 20, but to your point, if they all go for 20 and they're held to 60, do the Grizzlies have enough on their bench given how the Jazz score the ball? And I see where you're going with that. So it gets into that kind of gray area. Okay, if they, if they all average about 25, you're at 75, do they have enough juice then? At 80, you're definitely in trouble because you're figuring this guy's going to have six, that guy's going to have eight, you know, everybody will chip in. Right. So that's my concern. So two thirties and a twenty, or John Morant for forty and twenty for the other guys. You're right, right, and it's all possible combinations. Uh, John Morant sixty-five and the others. Uh... <laughs> John Morant, <laughs> the modern day MJ. If he does that, <laughs> no. George Mike, and we already said that yesterday. Oh, yeah, point. right. Mike that's the guy. He's Jason. So I assume you've done the math on this in previous games. Uh, so the three of them combined for 88 with Jaw going for 47. I mean, that, right. that bench scoring, that, that bench scoring was really 43 to 14 in game two. Uh, decisive <laughs> game-winning advantage for the Jazz right there. Uh, Correct. But that's your point. The big three for them really have to go off because it just doesn't look like they got the firepower from the other guys to really make, I mean, in any one game anything can happen, but they got to win three more. And their bench only went for 19 points in game one. Yes. It's clear as we've watched this series develop through only two games that we were joking about it yesterday with Craig Bullerjack that the Jazz have more better players, right? So we were having fun with that expression because obviously they're much deeper, and that's an area Memphis is going to have to shore up as they try to get better, and I'm sure they know that as well as anybody, that they've got some players, and Moran is a rising star. There's no doubt about that. Brooks is you've really got to tip your cap to Brooks, man. He's been solid. There's no doubt. Even even through the foul trouble that he had, he still managed to make himself a factor. He's an emotional dude. Players feed off of him. So, you know, he's what type. We talked about this. You know, you hate him on the other team, but you love him on your team. Uh, and the guy's got something to say and all that stuff. That's great. If that's what it takes for him to play well, so be it. Other guys are church mouses out there. Uh, some guys in you know, a combination thereof, whatever it might be. Uh, so do your thing, whatever you need to do to make yourself a factor. And so far, Brooks has made himself a significant factor. And Valanciunas just has so much size. I mean, he's just huge beast of a man and uses his body and he's got skill. You can see why combination of skill combined with that size, why he's a starting center in this league and has been for a number of years. So... I look at the Jazz can certainly outscore you. 
But if those three are combining for 80 or more, it really puts the pressure on to make sure the Jazz are at the top of their game offensively. And in game two, they were at the top of their game offensively. What Did that set a record for most points scored in a, a regulation game in the postseason? Did somebody say that? I can't remember. I think Bowler said it was a jazz record. It was the highest scoring right. jazz. Well, that's what I meant. Game. That's what I meant. Yeah. I didn't mean an NBA record. I meant, yeah, I meant jazz. I meant jazz record, right? So they were at their peak offensively. And they won fairly comfortably. All 48 minutes wasn't comfortable, but you know, they they did win fairly comfortably, so that that's a positive sign, but you know, you look at it and you expect, okay, can Memphis recreate what they did offensively? That's ah, going to be tough. At the same time, can the Jazz recreate what they did offensively? It's going to be tough. But the point is, you don't necessarily need to do that to win the ball game. No, for the Jazz, 120 ought to be the winning number. 141 is off the charts. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about we just don't want everyone to go cold at once, right? Well, everyone kind of went cold at once in game one. But, as Matt Harpering so eloquently put it, and I'm grateful he did, the law of numbers held true in game two. How often are the Jazz going to shoot that poorly? Well, everybody was on. They had seven guys in double figures. And Donovan came back and didn't miss a beat. So he got his 25, and he's 5 of 10 from three. So I would expect something where maybe, you know, some guys are on and some guys are off from three. That would seem more normal than to have really the whole team go cold in game one and the whole team heat up in game two. Uh, But that, nonetheless, is how it played out. I mean, I see where you're going with the whole 80-point thing. The weird thing is when Memphis got 88 from the big three, they lost. And when they got 72 from their big three, they won. Although the longer the series goes, the more I think that number you throw out there not to be kind of a general guiding principle of like the, how this goes for the Grizzlies. Uh, yes, exactly. Yes, uh, well said there. I do think that 72 mitigated by the fact that the Jazz's best weapon offensively wasn't in the ball game. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter now, but he plays. I think they're up 2-0. Uh, but th- who cares about that? It didn't happen, and they're not up 2-0. So I think I just look at how – how is Memphis going to beat the Jazz? The Jazz could lose, and Memphis doesn't beat them in a sense. They beat themselves because they can't make a shot from three. They shoot like in the teens or 20s percentile. They turn the ball over a bunch, and that a lot of that would be on themselves. The good thing for me as I view this now that we're down to Memphis, even though we're still in Memphis, it's a road game, I think it's the Jazz's game to win. And if they play like they're capable of, they're simply better than Memphis. So they will win. So I sort of look at it, if the Jazz stumble, it's going to be largely on them. Memphis has some players. They just don't have enough quality players to match the Jazz. But they do have some sensational players. There's no doubt about that. If the Jazz aren't at their game... They could very well lose, but I feel very confident that if the Jazz are at the level that we expect them to be, they'll win. Yeah, I think so. If the Jazz bring their A game, they're the better team. And I, I think the depth certainly. You know, and I did say earlier, and I to take this back a little bit, but it's kind of this player's nature. You know, everybody was on. Nobody was on in game one. Everybody was on in game two. Well, Clarkson was one of six from three, so everybody right. wasn't on. But also I think we all view him as more a scorer than a shooter. 
Uh, he can shoot it, and he does have games where he just lights it up from three. But even when he doesn't, we think he can score and he can get to the line. And we all know he goes into the paint and he zigs and he zags, and somehow he finds the the, the little bit of space that is available and you know flips in some shot from four feet. That's not a surprise at all. He's done it too many times, and he did it in that game. You know, he wasn't he wasn't a shooter in game two, but he was a scorer. He got his seven free throws and made them all and. Right. Got plenty of two-pointers and gets into the paint and does his thing. I wouldn't worry so much about his three-point shooting because I also think, too, he understands the nature of the game, and early they're up with a fairly comfortable lead, so maybe the possession isn't as quite uh, crucial, and you don't necessarily need a bucket right now. So maybe he puts up a three that if it's a one-point game, late in the fourth quarter. Maybe he doesn't put up that three. Maybe he finds a way to get to the bucket, and the guy maneuvers, his head is spinning. Sometimes I get my eyes get tired of watching him because he fakes here, he fakes there. He's got all these moves that he does. He's like out on the dance floor. He's the modern day. Uh, who was that? What was uh, John Travolta was his name in the dance movie way back when. Uh, he had all the moves, right? So Clarkson... Uh, he didn't shoot the ball well from three, so be it. I mean, that's that, that doesn't really worry me that much. Jeff says, health of the players. That's the only thing I'm worried about. Other than that, nothing. As Stephen A. Smith said, it's going to take divine intervention for the Grizzlies to win if the Jazz are healthy. And those are my thoughts exactly. So Jeff and Stephen A. Smith, divine intervention. Well, By the way, uh, that's yeah. divine D-E like Dan Divine. How about that? Oh, rather than D divine di, <laughs> di uh, the way it's sure. actually spelled. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's it's safe to say we have God on our side. There it is. We'll leave it right there. When we come back, question of the day, part D. Jazz fans, band. Here we go again. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. <laughs> 